0: Hey, this is Jimmy Mack from Rebel Force Radio. Besides Star Wars, if you're itching to dive deep into all things geek, park your speeder right here at the of Scuttlebutt Podcast.
1: And may the Force be with you always.
0: This podcast is a member of the Red
2: 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link red five
1: scuttlebutt my donkey. hey
2: this is dave from what does star wars mean to you and right now you're listening to the scare scuttlebutt podcast right here on the red five network
0: What is up, Scuttlebutt Nation? This is Ro from the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast, and welcome to another edition of a Five Questions episode. And if you're familiar with the show, uh, five questions refers to five questions that I formulate to ask a follower, a guest, a friend, and they do the same. They create five questions and we don't tell each other what these questions are beforehand. We just kind of off the cuff answer them. And it gives us a nice little insight to uh, maybe some hot takes or maybe some, uh, some opinions that, uh, you know, gives us an opportunity to get to know some of our followers and vice versa. So, with me tonight i've got joe and you can see him on the twitter he's one of our uh twitter x followers however you want to call it (laughs) twix some people say twix um i still say twitter uh you can find him at at nin temple uh joe how's it going tonight
1: very good thank you for having me
0: absolutely you know it's always fun to uh to do these five questions shows um you know it uh you know we get to we, we get to kind of uh volley off some some opinions back and forth and uh you know A little more deeper than, oh, who's your favorite droid or whatever. (laughs) So, uh, a terrible question.
1: Excuse me. I have to make a change real quick to my list. (laughs)
0: Yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, yeah, we got a, a couple of backup questions and, uh, I, yeah perfect perfect so um you know before we start uh if uh, if people remember uh a while back uh, i did a uh, an episode on the sequel trilogy um that, that's the show that you helped us out on right that's you right. We had the, yeah. the the last segment there the um, <laughs>
3: yeah
0: yeah but um you know i, I think i, I got a, a message today from uh, my friend uh, charles over at Conversations, uh another one of our red five network podcasts and uh, he just messaged me and said um, he uh, thoroughly enjoyed the the, the final part of that uh, discussion. And that was that was all you, brother. Hey, All right. (laughs) Excellent. Sounds good. Um, But uh, yeah, thank you so much. Uh, You know, like I said in that episode, it was one of those topics that, uh, uh, you know, I I didn't want to tackle uh, for, for reasons, uh, obviously, uh, one of the biggest reasons is, uh, you know, I'm not too fond of the sequel trilogy. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I do like the, the force awakens, but, uh, that middle film is, uh, you know, we've, we've discussed that on the podcast (laughs) before. Um, but, um, you know, my, uh, my guest, uh, challenged me and I said, Hey, let's, uh, let's just talk about it. But, uh, I think, um, it's actually enjoying some good download numbers, so uh, I'm happy to report that uh you know people are finding it insightful. people are finding uh the fact that uh you know two opposing views on on the sequel trilogy is is uh you know it, it can be done in a respectful way and uh i'm I'm pretty happy about that
1: yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the biggest takeaways just just being able to have people talk about it no matter how they feel.
0: Absolutely. Um and speaking of a uh, sequel trilogy, it's funny because I was uh, scrolling on the Twitters as uh, as I do mm-hmm. and um there's a couple of uh a couple of uh posts that uh some some people that I follow uh were 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 talking about this morning and um it is what what is it February 10th when we're recording this uh on a Saturday. Um one question that came up regarding Uh, I guess, uh, you know, today the Empire made the announcement, was it today or yesterday, that uh, uh, Phantom Menace episode one is being re-released in theaters for its 25th anniversary. And, you know, obviously my first thought is, damn, I'm old. That movie is 25 (laughs) years old. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Holy crap. Um, But, uh, you know, obviously a lot of people um, enjoy that movie. A lot of people went to go see it in the theater. I I obviously posted a couple of pictures of 1999 when Young Roe was in Los Angeles uh, waiting in line for two nights to see that movie as well. Um, So... You know, wonderful memories uh, for for a lot of young people that uh, either weren't born yet in 1999, which I I still uh, I'm having a lot of trouble um, dealing with the fact that uh, some Star Wars fans weren't even born in 1999. Mm-hmm. But that's another story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were talking about somebody had mentioned, um, and I'll ask you this question before we start our five question session. But somebody was mentioning the fact that it's wonderful to see. So much love uh, for The Phantom Menace now that it is reaching 25 years uh, of age. Um, Obviously, it being re-released, you have a lot of people really looking forward to going back to the theaters for a Star Wars. Um, You know, namely, obviously, the, The Phantom Menace this year is its 25th anniversary, as I mentioned. But, you know, somebody had posed the question, will we see the same love for the sequel trilogy maybe in in the next 25 years as we see the love for the prequel trilogy uh, this year? Yeah. Um, I've got my thoughts, but I wanted to get your thoughts on that question specifically, and then, uh, and then we can kind of roll into it. But what do you think? Are we going to see love for the sequels <sighs> in 25 years? I,
1: you know... So the the first factor I mentioned during my little monologue, which is if they manage to make like some animated series, or I don't know if the, if you could do it in live action, but something auxiliary that kind of retroactively boosts, you know, fills in some of the gaps, some of the things that people were felt were missing or didn't get answers for, or got unsatisfactory answers. That would go a long way because I think that helped with the prequels. And then the other thing is just it just for some reason time I, I can't fully explain it, but you know, like in the world of video games, I distinctly remember like there would be video games like uh, Legend of Zelda, um, uh, Wind Waker comes to mind, where like it comes out and it's just getting blasted and everyone hates it and everyone says they ruined the franchise and whatever. And then it's like – it'd be like five or ten years later and people completely forget that those opinions were even out there and they just act like it was an instant classic and everyone always loved it. So I feel like that can – it seems like it does often happen. I don't – but I don't have a great explanation as to why. I don't – it can't just be pure nostalgia because it's often people who weren't even – around that that first time or or paying attention that first time so i don't know that it seems to happen it it seems possible
0: yeah Uh, i um i'm gonna try to stay healthy and live another 25 uh years to see where the sequel trilogy fans fall mm -hmm. um it's it's funny because i you know i i really am curious um i don't know i i would i would want to say that uh maybe in 20 years there'll be you know uh, another uh, another set of new Star Wars movies that people will be fighting about online. Exactly. But um, yeah, I don't know. At this point, for me, I don't think the sequel trilogy, um, for me at least, like I said, w- mm-hmm. could be saved by having a an animated show kind of fill in the blanks. But because. Um, I don't know. You know, obviously, I understand the, uh, the concept of Luke Skywalker, you know, kind of being <laughs> disgruntled and going off on an island, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not sure if a cartoon uh, or an animated story is going to kind of make me believe <sighs> that that was the right move.
3: It's time for the Jedi to end.
1: I was just gonna say, a cartoon where off screen he's like, "Okay, everything I say is the opposite for the next. Everything (laughs) I say to Ray is just I'm only kidding." And then he, you know, that would do it, right?
0: Right, exactly. Oh my god.
1: No, I I think that's a good point because I think with the with the prequel trilogy. I think it was, you know, there were certain like people didn't like some of the tone or like some of the acting or whatever.
0: Right. It wasn't like a character was exactly. changed or right. you know drastically changed. You know, it's right. just you know kind of like filling in the blanks. But I think with the sequel trilogy, for me, it, it really does stem from, uh, right. uh, you know, my perception of a character that just went completely in the wrong direction, uncharacteristic. Right um you know etc etc but um yeah it'll be interesting to to kind of see what uh what fans of the of the sequels will will do in 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 a quarter of a century (laughs) will will the sequels be as loved um as the prequels are now um the jury is still out
1: what have i done
0: Hey, friends, just a quick reminder, if you enjoy our content and don't want to commit to a Patreon tier, you can show your love in other ways. Oh, yeah. Of course, you can take advantage of our merchandise store at TeePublic, where we've got cool designs from all across the Red 5 network. Look for sale announcements and save up to 30 to 35% on all our merchandise. Oh, nice. And there's also a very convenient way to help support the channel. As you know, coffee is our friend. It keeps us going. You can show your appreciation by heading over to buymeacoffee.com slash Scarif. Buymeacoffee.com slash Scarif. Any amount starting at 5 bucks, a one-time treat for us to help with all the stuff it takes to maintain the quality you deserve. And remember, it's always sunny on Scarif. And that's the Scuttlebutt. And pass the cream, please.
2: Hello. Hi, this is Sean from Extra Star Wars. Oh. And you're listening to the Scarab Scuttlebutt.
0: All right. So we got five questions and, uh, it's funny. We've been planning on this show for a while. I think we've been communicating, uh, on Twitter in the DMS for, for a little bit. Um, it's, it seems like you were kind of excited. You, uh, texted me right away and said, I got two questions. Yes. I'm rolling. Yes. 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 <laughs> That's too funny. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm glad that, uh, you put, uh, you put pen to paper, uh, and uh, got uh, some questions going, but uh, yeah, I've got some questions too. Um, but uh, since you are uh, you are my guest tonight uh-huh. on this uh, edition of Five Questions, uh, I will uh, let you go first, sir. What do you got?
1: All right, well, so as you know, I am uh, a sequel fan. And so, two of my five questions are in the sequel era, and I'm going to do you a favor and get them out of the way first. <laughs> Thank so, you. It's,
0: it's like pulling a, a <laughs> tooth, right?
1: Yes. Um, so, the first question is we have the Ray movie coming up. One of the big uh, storylines, especially in uh, Rise of Skywalker, was this whole dyad thing between Ray and. Ben or Kylo and so a question all of us Kylo Ren fans have is to what degree should they acknowledge or mention or talk about Ben Solo in the Ray movie like what impact what presence should that character have I know Adam Driver has said he's done making Star Wars or he's not involved in the Star Wars that they're making he might be telling the truth he might be doing smokescreen who knows it might be a very small cameo but in your opinion how much should that character have a presence in that film or should it just sort of be we're done with the ben solo character and we just move forward now
0: yeah that's a that's a great question and um and actually i'm very surprised that they announced that they are working on a ray movie um, especially because of uh, uh, you know fan reaction to the sequels, and I you know obviously I understand there's people that love uh, you know enjoyed the sequels and wanted that story and those characters to continue. Um, nevertheless, I think um, you know w- w- it, it would make narrative sense, obviously, for Ray to somehow acknowledge uh, Ben Solo. In some way, um, I, you know, I don't want it to turn into, you know, someone saying somehow Ben Solo returned. Um, and I hope that doesn't happen. Um, I even hope that, um, that they don't—I don't know—don't uh, know, don't introduce the the fact that maybe he uh, he did turn into a force ghost and come back, and and somehow the dyad continues. Um, I think uh, that would be too dangerous. Uh, you know, creatively, narratively, I think if they're going to do a, a Ray movie, I really do think that they probably should kind of start from scratch, uh, start with a new story, get some new characters in there and, uh, you know, clean house a little bit, um, when it comes to, you know, whatever it is that this character is going to do to reestablish the Jedi. Um, I think they, you know, I think they should just kind of, uh, like I said, start uh, start anew.
1: Yeah. And I, if I were to bet money, I think that's the direction. That's more the direction that they'll go, is more trying to look forward rather than backwards.
0: Yeah, because obviously... You know, Lucasfilm obviously recognizes that some fans uh, were not too crazy about the sequels for for X, Y, and Z reasons. Um, and I do think that uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I didn't have a problem with Ray as a character. I know a lot of people, you know, might have had a problem with her as a character for whatever reason. But uh, you know, Daisy Ridley, uh, she's a fine actress. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, you know. You know, I'll I'll be in line watching the new Ray movie. Um, as long as it's not is it's not directed, uh, turns out to be directed by a certain.
1: <laughs> Shit, I will
0: dig. I will digress if I go down that rabbit hole.
1: <laughs> you you haven't said the name of the movie. You won't. You won't say the director. Of the movie.
0: <laughs> no, and I think the last time I think in that episode. <laughs> I was joking around with Charles. I said uh, I actually, I actually bleeped his name out as if it were an F word.
1: <laughs> Man, so oh. I would someday. I would love to just, whether it's on air or off, just like get your, you know, your reaction, my, tr- of, my true feelings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I understand. I understand. I, I sort of had to um, do some deep. Inner soul searching so, to yeah. work yeah. past that, yeah. but um, and I think if I had been a real Star Wars super fan before the sequels, it would have hit even harder, you know. But, sure,
0: yeah, and, and I think that's I think that's a big part of it. Um, yeah, you know, we we grew up with Luke Skywalker as a character that represented a certain thing, and all of a sudden. Uh, you know, this director comes in and creates a a movie with a character that is him in name, but not in essence, according to, to our, you know, perception of, of this character. Um, so yeah. All right. Uh, I got a question for you. Yes. And it is this following question here. Um. So a while back, we got some quotes from Liam Neeson, who says uh, Star Wars uh, to him seems like it has been watered down. There's too much and the franchise isn't special anymore. I do remember the movies being kind of summer blockbuster events, cultural milestones, if you will. Um, But I wanted to ask you, do you agree with Neeson's take that there's too much Star Wars? And a follow up question. Um, Would you have been okay if George never sold to Disney, finished his trilogy, and then that was it? Nine Mm. movies, and then we're done.
1: Wow. Well, okay. I'm going to have to approach this question uh, kind of subjectively and objectively. Objectively, I think mm, it might be bad for Star Wars, the amount of... Content that's coming out, and the way that it seems that Disney approaches it as content like capital C content, the uh, you know, the in the in the streaming landscape of we just need to have stuff out there, and that it might not matter exactly how 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 good it is. Um, because I do think that Star Wars is not the, you know, there's a lot of luster that's been lost off the, off the brand. Um, okay. Part, part of it is quality. Part of it is, is the quantity, you know, when it's just not as special. Um,
0: right. And I think uh, the new head or the, the returning head uh, of Disney, you know, definitely said, uh, you know, that they were going to concentrate on quality versus quantity. Right. Um, you know, I, so that, that, that is, uh, kind of the, the term to go with nowadays, but, um, all right, no, sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah. Well, so, so that's objectively subjectively, I, I don't do well with big, with big, huge sort of gaps. Like I, I usually, when I get into something, if I wasn't, if I hadn't become a really big fan, I'd probably be okay with, you know say George Lucas does his three more and that's it or something. But I get kind of insatiable when it's something that I really resonate with. Mm-hmm. And so for me, even though I completely recognize it, a lot of like the TV shows, there's a lot of imperfections, a lot of things I don't like, but, I actually, I I just enjoy more that they're there and that they keep coming out and they give us stuff to talk about and give me things to look forward to. And that all outweighs the lack of novelty and maybe, you know, high cinema quality uh, for me. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's, um, I know, you know, a, as Star Wars fans, obviously, I think a lot of us kind of go through the same thing. Um, like you said, I mean, objectively and subjectively, uh, anyway. I, I, you know, I personally do feel like, uh, Star Wars has been watered down. There is a lot of it out there. Not all of it is, uh, for me is not, uh, top tier mm. and, you know, a lot of people may argue that, you know, Star Wars wasn't 100 percent quality to begin with. It's just fun popcorn fluff. But, um, you know, I, I will be the first one to say that a lot of times, uh, you know, my Star Wars is looked through rose colored glasses because of how um, how I came into the fandom, obviously mm-hmm. being a fan of the original trilogy. Um, but. It's interesting, you know. I, I I do miss Star Wars being a you know big tentpole item during the summer. Um, I hate the fact that uh, they started releasing Star Wars in December. I think it always belongs in May. But again, I'm yeah. I'm an old purist, um, so it, it is interesting. I think Liam Neeson's. Um, quote for me kind of does, uh, represent a little bit of how I feel about Star Wars. Um, and I, you know, I understand it's a business, but, uh, I also understand that, uh, not, uh, not all Star Wars can be, uh, you know, and or quality. Right. Um, I wish it was because I think a lot more fans would, uh, would go come back to the, the Star Wars boat. If everything was a little better written, um, like Andor was a a little better, um, you know, a a lot more care was taking, you know, that was taken under, under consideration when it comes to story character, even some of the technical stuff. I think, um, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, like you said, it's, it's a weird, uh, you know, angel devil, Type of situation uh, (laughs) fighting on your shoulder of of how to perceive Star Wars post Disney.
1: I mean, I guess even because before you would always have the uh, what's now called Legends content, right? So like that kind of kept people fed, so to speak, right? Because you always had a book or a comic or something that was on the way. So I guess as long as you had that, that would... That would help as sure. well because I sometimes find it odd, like you know, if it was say when it was just the original three films, and, and there would be you know magazines coming out and stuff like that, and uh, before the prequels, and I just I don't even know what you would. Like what would you read? <laughs> what was in those magazines? Right, like, sure. And, hey, and again, remember it,
0: this scene. <laughs> right, yeah. Remember, here's a making of this scene. Yes. <laughs> and and you know what? I mean, you know, I, I posted a, uh, a a post regarding uh, the old Starlog magazines, and that was a lot of what we did. Mm. Kind of flipped through, you know, some behind the scenes, maybe, you know. Uh, two years, two years later, a special Return of the Jedi edition or, mm. um, you know, Marvel Comics did have uh, a continuing story of Star Wars right. that we all kind of, uh, you know, subscribe to. Um, but, you know, obviously, if you talk to uh, older Star Wars fans, we do remember, you know, a period of the 90s before the prequels as the dark times. Um, we we really had nothing. Uh, some of us had to. Um, uh you know satisfy our science fiction curiosity with uh Star trek from the 90s you've got uh, the next generation and and voyager and things like that so
1: um it's interesting like next generation actually that's yeah. the only that's yeah. only Star trek I actually kind of get to and i guess i mean there were video games and that thing so i guess there was always there there's were always some, there's always something out. yeah yeah. Yeah.
0: But I, I mean, I mean, I understand, like I said, you know, older fans remember the 90s as being the dark times. We really right. didn't have, um, you know, new Star Wars. Um, but I got to tell you, I'm, uh, you know, here is a confession. Um, first time said out loud, but I think I I say it in my brain all the time. Uh-huh. Um, if George uh, I really do wish that George didn't sell to Disney and had um, the gumption to finish. Uh, his sequel trilogy and then Mm. be done with it
1: Mm. yeah yeah i hear you do we i feel like people have said in rumor and whisper that that did did his plans ever kind of surface i know people talk about it as if like you mean you mean his stars yeah like what the what the plan was going to be for his specifically no but i okay. think you
0: know the early on there was talk that uh, george wanted to go deeper into the lore of the force and uh midichlorians and things like that mm-hmm. um, but i don't think there was anything specific uh that uh people could you know not even a treatment that people could read Um, obviously there were some notes that, uh, Lucas handed over to Kathleen Kennedy and Disney to, uh, say, you know, this is what I was thinking for, for the, for the new trilogy. Um, and then obviously, uh, the folks at Disney said, (laughs) uh, thanks George, but no thanks. We're going to do our own. Yep. All right. So. Next question. What question, do you have for me?
1: Question two. All right. This is we're going to take a deep. Dive. How do you feel about Ewoks?
0: I love Ewoks. <laughs> okay, with a little with a little barbecue sauce. No, just kidding. That would be Porgs. But uh, Ewoks are cool. All
1: right. So I said this was going to be a, a sequel trilogy question. So if you if you remember at the end of The Rise of Skywalker, I don't know how much you have blocked from your memory, but there was a scene with Ewoks celebrating as a First Order Star Destroyer crumbles in the sky. And this got me thinking, what the heck would the First Order possibly, this is gonna be a bit of a creative writing exercise. What would the First Order possibly be doing on the forest mood of Endor? Because the only reason that the Empire was there was because of the shield generator, right? Right. And so conceivably, Now, it's just a bunch of trees and adorable teddy bears with spears. I know the practical reason is because they wanted to put Ewoks in that last scene. But (laughs) is there something... Because I don't know the old lore as deeply as some other people do. Is there something we can imagine that they would be wanting out of that section of the galaxy?
0: Um, Let's see. The only thing that I can think of that might work narratively is uh, if I can argue the case for... um, Palpatine kind of storing away um, artifacts that were important to him and the force and the dark side that maybe he hid some stuff uh, on Endor. And, you know, later on he went and collected uh, everything and, and it, you know, it ends up where it ends up. You know, a lot of people say that uh, Mount Tantus is uh, kind of a stronghold of um, dark... Uh, dark sith uh artifacts or or, or whatever for palpatine okay. so that's
3: the that's the
0: only uh only thing and i mean i think you know one can argue that uh you know the first order was kind of everywhere and cool. the the camera crew just happened to catch a glimpse of of ewok celebrating yeah. uh you know the uh first order star destroyer getting you know destroyed um so but i i think um I think either of those two explanations might work. I don't know.
1: You know what? Refresh my memory. When uh, in Rise of Skywalker, when they're exploring the Death Star, you know, remains or whatever, is that Death Star 1 or 2?
0: Um, th- that's uh Death Star two. So it didn't, obviously it didn't land on and- Andor, right, right. which is weird, but it landed on, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it landed on another, another, either planetoid or, or moon, uh, from a neighboring, um, system close to Endor. But, um, I'm sure there's a, there's a, ma- there's a star map somewhere, uh, that gives you, uh, exactly the location of where it landed.
1: Do you know what? Do you want to take this opportunity to maybe answer another question about Endor for me? Sure. Yeah. I've always heard it referred to as the forest moon of Endor. Does that mean?
0: Yes, it, it does. Is- <laughs> I know what you're going to ask. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: Just explain it then.
0: So, the uh- <laughs>
1: I know you know what I'm going to ask because it's probably for people so, like yeah. me a common question.
0: <laughs> so, Endor is the name of the planet of the main yeah. planet, and then the the forest moon. They never named the actual forest moon. Um, it's obviously it's it's a moon that's surrounded um, that's that has an orbit on Endor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's a little confusing because you know in in passing you know you, you hear that line the forest right. moon Endor yeah um, but it's it's actually a moon that happens to be populated by forests that is surrounding the planet of Endor. okay
1: and it has never been named in canon. Or- um,
0: I'm not sure if if it's been named possibly in a novel somewhere. Right. Um, it, it might have been, but uh, you
1: gotta check the Ewoks cartoon series from yeah, the 80s.
0: Could be, or <laughs> you know, head on over to uh, our friends over at Wikipedia and uh, and see if uh, if that's named. But um, I have heard people ask that question or talk about that, so uh, mm. yeah, it's too funny.
1: Mm. All right, well, uh, what do you got?
0: So Science fiction used to be kind of a niche genre, um, you know, for, for us science fiction fans, we cowered in basements dressed up as our favorite characters and reciting our favorite lines from movies. Uh, now it seems like, um, being a geek is mainstream and everyone wants to be nerdy. Do you, do you feel that the nerd culture won or do you feel that opening oh, wow. up the floodgates that kind of, uh, uh, or or do you feel that opening up the floodgates like that kind of ruined the exclusive nature of being a science fiction movie nerd?
1: Wow, that's a that is a hard hitting question. I feel that's like a, that's
0: how that's how we do it here at the Scare yeah. Scuttle Good podcast.
1: I guess so. Um, huh. I feel like. I feel like, in a way, God, I don't. It's, I'm gonna give the unsatisfying answer of it's it's both. <laughs> it is both. I, I you'd probably love for me to give more of a hot take, but because okay, it's definitely a win in that. I mean, I remember up through high school. I mean, I never let on that I played video games or anything like that because I was trying to, you know, maintain my, uh, whatever illusion of coolness, you know, whatever paper thin, uh, um, shell of a uh, ego I had established. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and so now it's, you know, of course it's much better to be able to just, just, say like, Hey, I'm going to the comic store or Hey, there's this star Wars movie coming out or, you know, so all of that is, is great. And, um, you know, I I don't, I think I mentioned, I teach college for a living. So I'm in contact with, you know, late teens, early twenties people all the time. And it's, it's really great to see them growing up without any sort of hangups about this stuff. It just, yeah able to just completely be themselves about, you know, whatever science fiction or video games or whatever that they're interested in. And I I think that's great. On the other hand, it is kind of weird because I feel like, um, I feel like it is not the case that, you know, nerds sort of built this, uh, empire of geek stuff and then everyone sort of came on board and then all the nerds were the kings of this realm because like, I like I don't think that that's what happened. Really, uh, I, that, I don't. I don't feel that way.
0: See, to me, that's a hot take. But go ahead.
1: Oh, okay. No, because I feel like um, so. For instance, like if I point to like, well, who are the most successful Twitch streamers? Again, I'm going back to the video games world. It's all people that look like. Uh, and talk and act like you know cheerleaders and football players and <laughs> and stuff. You know, um, I, I won't I won't mention any names in the Star Wars realm, but there's a couple of Star Wars YouTubers that I feel like uh, if there was a Star Wars like fraternity, like you guys would be the you know <laughs> like the two first members. <laughs> um, and so and there's really this, I, and I want to be clear: there's nothing like wrong with that. There's no, you know, there's, there's no like uh, personality type or certainly appearance that is a prerequisite for being in this domain. But I think that a lot of sci-fi stuff, like when you were talking about, you know, all the nerdy stuff that people would do sort of at home before, I think it was because those people didn't feel like they could go out into public and just sort of be themselves and be uh appreciated for that whereas i think a lot of these other people can if that makes any sense so yeah so i feel like it it went mainstream but then also the mainstream sort of gobbled it up in the in the process so Hmm. yeah yeah what do you think
0: interesting interesting so um yeah, you know it. It is definitely a good thing that people that have uh, you know our proclivity to love the nerd and the geek stuff uh, to feel more comfortable um, with uh, you know with the rest of of their friends or maybe even people that don't uh, don't like sci-fi or comics or anything like that. So it is nice to to have people be comfortable in their own skin per se. Mm-hmm. Um, you had mentioned though that. Um, that you feel like the older nerds weren't the ones that, and let me see if if I'm getting this correct. Uh. You said that the older nerds aren't really the ones that created the kingdom. Is that what you said? Oh no, well nerds? I think
1: they created it, but I don't know that they run it now. Do you know what I mean?
0: Well, yeah, I don't think they run it now, but we mm. definitely. I'm going to say we because I, I, you know, again, I, sure. I grew up with the original trilogy. Um, I do believe that we created it. I do believe that we fed it, uh, and made it grow. Um, obviously, you know, you, you watch any older YouTube and, and what, what's behind them. It's all the collectibles. It's all the, 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 the oh, items yeah. that, uh, that we purchased, uh, to, to make this uh this franchise uh what it is uh george lucas obviously was no dummy he uh kept the uh the licensing rights for toys when the studios were like yeah whatever that's worthless Mm. little did they know that uh that was uh far from from the truth that was the complete opposite and that's where george lucas made uh made his his billions basically Mm. Uh, from licensing, you know, toys for for this space movie, um, and we all bought into it. You know, um, I remember, uh, you know, even in college, I used to buy two of everything: one to open and to kind of touch <laughs> and look at and play with, or whatever, and then one to display.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, uh, you know, to to say that we, you know, we build the empire, um, you know, it's it's pretty much the truth as as far as I see it. I think. Uh, you know, I want to say uh, a little bit of a hot take, but I want to say that uh, younger fans nowadays, um, you know, have different priorities, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not buying toys at the pace where older fans were buying toys. Um, there are toys that come out that uh, sit on clearance shelves uh, for for ages. Nobody buys them. Mm. Um and you know i i don't know if that has to do with priorities or the economics of of uh, certain fans um obviously you know pricing obviously is 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 a big factor nobody wants to pay you know 30 sometimes 40 for one black uh, action you know black series action figure it's ridiculous wow. but um you know uh i i think it's interesting i think you know even even uh between the growth of fans, um, sometimes I do feel like uh it's uh I, I kind of still miss the the exclusivity of being a nerd. Mm. Um because uh, you know, one of the one of the things that bugs the crap out of me is when I see um uh, younger fans saying, Hey, um, I'm doing a, a YouTube video, my first watch of this, and I'm like, Oh my god, they came out in like '87. <laughs> You're first watching it. Like, did they, did you not have a television when you were, uh, you know, 10, 12 years old? Are you, yeah. how do you, how are you still watching this? But, um, again, that's, that's me being a disgruntled, uh, uh you know, disgruntled uh, old fan, but, um,
1: and that's okay. See, so you can embrace that, you can be that
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely but um i think overall it's great to to have so many new fans come into the fandom and i think uh you know it's it's up to uh level-headed fans to kind of steward uh the the franchise in into new uh into a new direction with with fans um you know like like you, you like you, what you just did when you asked me a question about the forest moon of endor. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for, you know, for for trusting <laughs> me and and giving you a, an answer.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
3: We have an incoming transmission from the Scarif's Scuttlebutt hotline, Commander, and we can't withstand a voicemail of this magnitude. Hey, this is Nicholas with the Backyard Tardis. Uh, just got finished listening to your quick cuts on whether anybody can use the Force. And I wanted to point something out. Uh, everyone's concerned about a situation with the blue. If she can use the Force, does that mean everybody can use the Force? But there was a line that Hugh Yang said, actually two different lines that he said. Uh, one, he told Sabine that of all the Jedi that he's trained, she had the least aptitude. So he told that directly to her. But also, when he was talking with Ahsoka, he mentioned that, that her end count is low beyond the threshold the Jedi would consider training her. And to that, Ahsoka responded, I am no Jedi. So that shows that she does have an M count, but it's below the threshold of being a Jedi. And this is something that they explored both in the EU and that, um, I remember when there was an EU book that talked about how Obi-Wan Kenobi just barely met the threshold to become a Jedi, and he had to work extra hard to be as skilled as he was, but proved to be one of the most influential Jedi out there. Um, so there's just different things like that I think um, just because she didn't qualify to be a Jedi by normal Jedi standards doesn't mean she wasn't close to the threshold and they showed her ability being limited I'd also like to point out that the world she was on was a world similar to the one seen in the Mortar Star that amplified Jedi power would she have that power outside of that planet uh, being able to use her powers. I would likely venture to say not, but that's my own fan theory. But, uh, a similar situation with Broomboy. Everyone was upset about Broomboy. I didn't like the last Jedi, but how do we know he doesn't have a high Metacorian count? How do we know that he isn't one of Luke's students that ran away after it was destroyed? We don't know anything about Broomboy. He's an unknown. And, when we look at in the prequels, what were the Jedi doing? They were going around the world, finding unknown children who happen to have high M counts, and taking them in. So he could just be that. Um, but that's just uh, you know my take, my scuttlebutt on the thing. Uh, enjoy the conversation and look forward to more.
0: big thanks to patron and super fan of the red five network nicholas schaefer for that feedback on our quick cuts show nick has a youtube channel please make sure to find him and subscribe to adventures in locksmithing a unique look into the day in the life of a locksmith out in the wild and boy definitely it gets pretty wild out there if you want to pop up in a future show like nick leave us a voicemail at 773-234-8659 Topic reactions, comments, or just to say, hello there. Call today, and remember, it's always sunny on Scarif, and that's the Scuttlebutt. Let's get back to the main show, right after this.
3: Isn't this lovely dear? walking along the shores of Canto Bike? I
2: don't know, dear. It feels like I'm getting sunburnt. At night?
1: <laughs> Are you so pale that you're at risk of getting moonburn? That's no moon.
3: Did you put on the Tuscan tan like I told you?
1: Uh, no. Now you've done it. <laughs> Tuscan tan sunscreen, guaranteed to protect you from a single reactor blast or moonlight. <laughs> Don't want to end up like Alderan? Grab a bottle of Tuscan Tan. Tuscan Tan has not been authorized for use on Mustafar. All right. Question three. Uh, you saw Solo, I assume. Yes. Did you, what was your real, before I get to the question, what was your kind of, wh- where does that film sit for you? Did you like it, love it, hate it?
0: Um, I enjoyed Solo very much. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad I went to go see uh, Solo in the theater. I know a lot of people, when it uh, when it finally came on to Disney+, Plus, uh, a lot of people were saying, oh, man, this movie was so much fun. I wish I went to go see it in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a missed opportunity. So um, I know Solo was, um, was divisive in a way where... I remember hearing people say, we didn't ask for this movie. Right. Um, And I, um, I find, I find that phrase interesting. And I think uh, I'm, (laughs) I'm, I'm doing a podcast on that particular phrase in the future. Mm. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't ask for this movie. Um, But it's, uh, and I know again, you know, that was the first Star Wars movie that came out right after The Last Jedi. And, um, you know, obviously the fans, uh, fans reacted to The Last Jedi by voting with their wallets and not going to see, uh, Solo, um, as, uh, as a choice. Um, you know, obviously, it had a lot of things uh, going against it. Uh, some behind-the-scenes drama that uh, that didn't help the the film at all. Right. Um, but like I said, I, I think I enjoyed the movie for what it was. My only uh, my only downfall of the movie is I really didn't uh, didn't like um, Alden. All I can never
1: remember his name. Something like Aaron or something. Eh, yeah, I, I, I don't <laughs> think I'm getting it perfect, but
0: yeah. But I wasn't too crazy with his portrayal of, of Han Solo. I right. think um, uh you know people some people were talking about his the height difference, which I didn't really notice, but I think what really bothered me was uh the voice. I think mm. in ten in ten years, your voice doesn't change that drastically. I think should have st- Um, he should have kind of maintained a little bit of the gruffness. Hmm. Um, even when we see Han Solo in A New Hope, he's you know, he's he's pretty uh, he's uh, he's a man's man, baby.
1: Oh, of course. Um, Han but Solo. I,
0: you know, there were you know, there were a lot of people that wanted um, uh, the uh, and I, I don't want to call him an amateur actor, but he has been in some things mostly. No, no, no yeah yeah we can say yeah. an unknown um um and Gru well i forget the first guys the f- the first name of the actor uh gruber something gruber he was uh, hold on a second now i gotta look him up um gruber he's a young anthony in gruber
1: if you oh, look up that, yeah. that guy, that guy, the the impersonation guy. Right, right? but yeah. he's
0: been in some movies and actually he was in a movie called Madeline where he plays a young Harrison Ford. No so way. Oh, it, I didn't it, know that. Yeah, it's uh it, it's it's actually a very interesting uh, movie, The Age of Adeline. Um <laughs> I didn't realize that it was kind of uh sci-fiish um with the uh, with uh, it's it's kind of a period piece, but um, if you get a chance to watch it, um, I think it's it's worth watching for many reasons. Obviously, Anthony Anthony and Gruber plays a young Harrison Ford. Mm. Um, the character of Harrison Ford um, is um, enamored by Adeline Adeline um, throughout the the years, uh, from being a young um, a young character all the way to being an older character, and uh, in the movie. Um, Adeline, the character, she never ages for, for, you know, some weird, I like sci fi reasons. But yeah. it's a, it's a very interesting movie again, where they cast, um, both actors to play the same role at different ages. Wow. So it's not like, uh, uh, you know, it's a foreign thing to, to have asked for, um, this casting. And I think Anthony and Gruber, um, does a really great job in kind of impersonating uh a Harrison Ford type. Yeah. Um but um, you know, it is what it is. But uh yeah, that was the long answer. The short answer is I, you know, I I really did enjoy solo. I think I think actually Chewbacca show uh stole the show. Um <laughs> there were some very uh interesting story points. Uh, obviously the last um, portion of the movie, how it ended really surprised me. Um, it showed, uh, it, it showed some, you know, uh, a, a kind of, uh, it showed some cojones to be able to, uh, bring back a character that most people thought was dead because of the uh fandom menace phantom menace at the end of uh episode one so um i remember sitting with uh, a couple of my friends that uh, you know are not familiar with the uh clone wars animated shows Mm -hmm. and um you know everybody had their jaw dropped and was very confused (laughs) Uh, we had to go out to a bar a local bar and i had to explain it to my friends
1: Mm -hmm. tell them about the forest mood of endor (laughs) Um, Well, so that perfectly segues into my actual question, which is, don't we need a sequel to that? Because here's my, my, my logic is, is this, is that, uh, okay. And I actually, I posted this on Twitter at one point. So I don't know if you saw this, it's kind of a spoiler for the question, but, um, because I think that for them to, and that movie, the way that it did, where it was, in my opinion, really going hard to set up a sequel. Yeah, for them to just say like, "Well, this you know wasn't a big box office success, or it was critically mixed, or whatever," and then so we're just going to abandon
0: this, we're just going to forget about the story.
1: Yeah, yeah. To me, that undermines whatever they're going to do in the future because. Well, you're not really sort of telling a story. It's just kind of, well, if the money goes here, we're going to follow it. If it doesn't, we're going to abandon it. So I think that, you know, my response is if Solo didn't perform the way you wanted, then just make Solo 2 better. Don't not make Solo 2 or whatever they were, you know, we're going to call it if it would
3: sure.
1: continue in the Lando film or or whatever. So yeah, what do you, what do you think about that?
0: Yeah, and I um I think they should actually do what the comic books uh, uh, do uh, from time to time when they sw- they they have kind of an overarching story in different titles, mm-hmm. and um, almost uh, you know when, when right before they announced Rogue One, they announced that uh, Star Wars was going to be um, they were going to be doing some uh, standalone movies. Uh, Almost like an anthology series of Star Wars where they would take different uh, eras of Star Wars and kind of maybe tell different stories that, you know, really weren't uh, related to the main saga. Mm -hmm. And I think they should they should probably still do that. Um, Rogue One obviously being one of them. And that's one of my favorite. That's my second favorite Star Wars right after The Empire Strikes Back.
1: Oh, Interesting.
0: And um, it's, uh, you know, from the comic book world, you know, they've got a series called The Screaming Citadel in the Marvel um, Star Wars comic books where it starts, the story starts uh, in one title and then it moves to uh, another title. And obviously that's kind of like a big little marketing gimmick where you mm-hmm. have to p- buy different comic books. But um I think it would be interesting to do a Solo 2 as, you know, maybe not a Solo 2, but the continuing of a story under a, a different name. And obviously right. people will, will understand, you know, where they're coming from. Um, but, you know, like you said, I mean, I think, um, you know, doing it better and maybe, uh, you know, because uh, they have the technology now to maybe do films maybe a little cheaper or, uh, you know, then than obviously Solo cost what it did because of the you know, back, uh, behind the scenes mm-hmm. drama, the directors and reshoots and all that stuff. But, you know, I think if you craft a well written story or treatment for, uh, the continuation of that story, I mean, they've got all the elements. They did release uh, comic books with a little bit of, um, of, uh, Kira's, uh, you know, yeah. inclusion in that world. So I, uh, I think that, um, they, they kind of laid all the the building blocks to to create something uh, in the form of a a second solo
1: movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I don't know why in in all of the you know interviews in the many now many years since then it it doesn't even seem to be on anyone's radar. It Doesn't seem no. to be a question that gets asked. Doesn't seem to be right. something that they. Talk about tying up the end. I know that there have been now and then mentions of, you know, Donald Glover and doing the um, Lando movie. But even in that, I feel like they don't talk about it like because we need to see where this plot is going to go. Right. They just sort of talk about it as its own isolated thing so
0: which is you know if they never do a solo two I think it would be such a weird thing uh, for uh, the Star Wars legacy
1: Mm. Mm -hmm. hi this is Mark Newbold
2: from Star Wars Insider and Fantha Tracks you're listening to the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast and that's
1: the Scuttlebutt
0: Question three for me. Uh Um, So I covered this question in last week's Quick Cuts, but I wanted to get your take. Mm. Um, How important do you feel canon is to Star Wars or any franchise? Do you think that we put too much relevance into it, or is it justified that uh, we tend to require as fans a sense of a narrative structure
1: to our stories? Oh, man. Well, this is a question that hits... Very close to home for me because I am kind of a Canon uh, obsessed individual. I actually, let me pull up my Excel spreadsheet. Oh my God. You got canon. notes. <laughs> no, I, I don't need to refer to it, but I do actually have an Excel spreadsheet of uh Canon star Wars media that I've consumed and what I need to still consume. Wow. Be, because it, to me, that's, that's everything. That's, this is what happened. This is the reality of this universe. And for me, I mean, I don't ever, um, you know, it's not, for me, it's not, you know, that I confuse, uh, this fiction with real life. It's not, you know, it's not life or death if something gets retconned or, or anything like that. But I like to know kind of what, Pieces we're working with in this universe at all times and when when the creators start playing fast and loose with that it that does irk me a little bit because it it sort of feels like uh you know you're invited into this world and you're told these are the rules of this world and then if you don't take those rules seriously you know within reason then it's sort of like what are you asking me to really invest in emotionally you know like if you don't care about it that much what happens then why why should I care that's kind of how I feel about it Mm -hmm. I know I feel like for a lot of people especially in recent years with, you know, everything has like a multiverse and what if stories and things. I think for a lot of people they're they're a little bit the opposite where they just like to see, you know, they, they see the characters and the plots as sort of these different elements that can just be rearranged. And they like the fun of seeing how many different ways you can rearrange it and still have it be interesting. Um, but no, I like the, I like the one, I like the one truth. I like knowing what it is and, uh, watching it expand out from there. What about you?
0: Yeah, absolutely, Joe. I think I would. Uh, I, I tend to agree with you. I think uh, you know. I mentioned uh, that my um, non um, non deep Star Wars friends uh, were asking me about Darth Maul. I think when it comes to canon, when it comes to a story that is complete like that, it's uh, it's definitely more rewarding to fans that have you know kind of followed all the media. Uh, to really, uh, you know, sink your teeth into the rest of the story, like you said, from beginning to, to end. Mm. Um, and it's funny because I thought of this when uh, when the Ahsoka show came out uh, for somebody that has never seen the uh, the Rebels animated show. What is this you know, what is this series going to be like for them? um mm. I, I do kind of feel like they did kind of a, a good job. I actually thought that most of the show was going to be a lot of exposition to kind of catch the casual fan up, but I think they did a, a kind of a decent job in, um, you know, mentioning Ezra and, and you know, where is Ezra and where is Thrawn and mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Um, what but, is a
1: Space Whale?
0: Right, exactly. <laughs> and I, b- but I, I'm going to have to, you know, agree with you as far as, uh, you know, having having kind of a complete story told from beginning to end, because uh, I think it does matter. And, you know, I understand, like you said, you were talking about the what ifs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm less of a fan of a what if. And, and we we did discuss that. The what if uh, with uh, from a certain point to skew uh, mm-hmm. a couple of episodes ago, uh, episodes ago. Um I'm not a big fan of the what ifs They're you know, they're fine. They're, they're what they are, but, uh, give me, you know, give me the continuation of, of characters in, in a larger, uh, you know, a larger universe, uh, a story that is cohesive. And, uh, I think I, I would enjoy that more because there's more of a connection. There's more depth to, to a story that you've been following for, uh, you know, for a long time. It's like real life. I mean, you're going to care about, uh, you know, a friend that you've been friends with for, for years more than mm-hmm. somebody you just met uh, off the street.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I watched maybe one and a half episodes of uh, Star Wars Visions, and I love Japanese animation, but I just couldn't get into it because I just felt that no matter how sort of fun or what sort of spectacle was in each episode, ultimately I just kept coming back to, like, this doesn't matter you
0: know sure yeah so and i and i loved uh i loved visions i i think um i loved the season two of visions more than the first season but it's funny you uh you mentioned uh you know watching something that doesn't matter that that's kind of how i feel about a lot of people have been trying to get me to watch the uh the orville oh okay um First of all, I people make fun of me because I can't mix my genres. I can't mix science fiction and comedy. And oh,
1: alright.
0: Probably one of the biggest reasons that um, I really don't like that middle uh, sequel movie. But um, you don't think I, that
1: your mama joke to no open idea. the film was? <laughs> don't get me started. Oh no.
0: Absolutely, I think uh, you know watching, and I think I've tried watching one or two episodes of the Orville, and I'm like, okay, you know, this is a comedy and it's sci-fi, but mm. does it really matter? Does, is there is there a um, is this built being built up to be a franchise? And mm. do I do I need to care about these
1: characters? Are there stakes? Is there narrative weight?
0: right or is it just um, it's just for laughs if and if right. you know obviously it's it's just for laughs then you know i'm not going to care that much yeah but yeah that's that's uh that I, is I, what it is
1: i think you kind of need to for me i mean I, I can walk both but you need i need to really know going into it what mode to put my my mind in or you know set my tastes to yeah absolutely because yeah i think the you know some of the last jedi comedy the pro- part of the problem was it was this sort of tone tonal whiplash of you know going back and forth between high drama and then slapstick practically so yeah anyway not um my, not, not my thing yeah you're on this council
3: but we do not grant you the rank of master what <laughs>
1: Uh, okay, so my fourth question is, and uh, this question had a lot more was a lot more interesting 24 hours ago before they uh, <laughs> announced the uh, re-release of Episode One. True or false? Billion-dollar idea: keep the audio track from the original trilogy and/or prequels, but redo the visuals in like a Clone Wars style and put them in theaters true or false that would be a a a a good way for disney to make money
0: um wow that's a good one um will it make money i think i think it would make money um i don't know how much it wouldn't i don't think it'll like break records but you know obviously the style of that animation um, there's a lot of fans of of the Clone Wars Um, and you know it definitely would be something different uh, for fans to kind of uh, you know enjoy Um, as far as true or false I I don't think it'll be a billion dollar you know um, venture it would make money um, but uh, maybe a modest uh, you know uh catering budget for for a a, an upcoming star wars
1: i think maybe another way to phrase this question would be when you think of the original and prequel trilogies so like the original trilogy obviously amazingly ahead of its time visually but if we're honest there are some things that are you know a little long in the tooth
3: Watch your words, watch your words.
1: Yes, right. (laughs) Um, And then the prequels were a little obsessed with, you know, what they thought they could do with computer graphics at the time. And, you know, it it was really good at the time. But again, we've seen great evolution in that. I feel like both of them could benefit from some kind of a new coat of paint that isn't whatever the uh, special editions were trying to be. Uh, so, I guess, how do you feel about that?
0: Yeah, you know, and then you have to ask yourself, you know, how many special editions do we need to make throughout the years? <laughs> and I think, um, you know, this is where I, this is where I might um, have the hot take of okay, en- enough is enough. Just you know, just just make the new stuff. Uh Um, and you know, I, I know George Lucas, um, obviously he did the special editions. He, uh, he released, uh, well, he wanted to release the, the entire collection of the prequels as, as in 3d. He only got to do the first movie in 3d Phantom Menace. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think, um, you know, we can we can update special effects and graphics till we're blue in the face till, you know, the end of time. But, uh, you know, I think uh, they can also survive as products of their time from a cultural relevance sure, and a pop culture re- relevance. I think uh, I think, you know, people need to kind of see that um, just to kind of understand uh, I guess where we were uh, as a fandom um, in in 1977, or you know, if you want to use the uh, special editions, what 1991
1: or 92. Um, so wasn't it a lot I, later than that? I feel like wasn't it an, or
0: 97? A... 90, I think it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah there you go. So um, yeah, I I think um, you know enough tinkering. Okay. Move on to the new. Move on to the new stuff.
1: I feel that. Yeah, I get that.
3: Yeah.
0: All right. I got uh, question number four, and this was actually suggested by Charles of Conversations podcast. Uh, again, uh, one of our Red 5 Network podcasts. They are the uh, one of the jewels of our uh, network, um, uh, although the jewel might be a cubic zirconia, but nevertheless. Mm. Still pretty. Uh, Still so pretty. Okay, so uh, Charles asked, "What childhood collectible or toy or book do you wish you still had?" And uh, and and I guess a, a quick little follow up to that: Why is it that we collect?
1: Oh wow! Uh, does it have to be Star Wars? No, it doesn't have to. Okay. be. Okay. Um, I. This is, uh, yeah, this is just opening up a sort of random s- small childhood trauma. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no.
1: Because <laughs> when, okay, so when I was a little kid, I was probably like four or five or something, and uh, I was really into super friends. And when you're four or five and you're into super friends, there's nothing wrong with thinking that Aquaman is the coolest guy on the show, <laughs> uh, which I did. And I still, to this day, have a strong affinity for classic Aquaman. Uh, the Jason Momoa version oh, right. doesn't, doesn't do it for Doesn't me, but, do it for you. Yeah. But anyway, I was playing in a sandbox with my Aquaman action figure and I buried it and I went to dig it up. And I never found it. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't even know. To say, I don't even know how that's possible. The sandbox was not that big. <laughs> I don't know what happened. One of, one of my theories is maybe that another kid, like, got to it before I did. or yeah. some, Thought like, hey, free toy or something. So I definitely wish that I still had that little guy cuz i i loved i loved that toy and i could buy another one you know like buy one of the old ones but it just it wouldn't be mine you know so
0: that's too funny um yeah.
1: uh as do you want to answer yours before we get to why we collect or should i no go for it okay uh why we collect i think cuz i i'm at a time in my life where i'm buying comic books, I'm buying video games knowing full well I'm not going to get around to reading or playing them for probably years. And so that has caused me to really reevaluate like why am I still buying these things? And I think you know, maybe maybe on some super deep level there's some prehistoric uh, sense of hoarding or something that we derive pleasure from but for me, I think it's just, even if I can't read it or play that thing right now, there's still just something, there's some joy that I get from just holding it in my hand and looking at it and knowing that it's on the shelf whenever I, you know, <laughs> if I get a random three-hour break, you know, the kids go to a birthday party or something and and I can, I can sit down with that comic or, or game, you know, and, and just knowing that possibility is there uh keeps me happy collecting them.
0: Yeah, I, um, you know, I, I tend to agree with you. It's funny because um, it's, it's, it is that connection. It's, uh, it's, you know, with, with, for me specifically with Star Wars, it's, uh, and I guess with, for a lot of fans and not just Star Wars, with any of the franchises that we love It uh, it's so personal. It's what was happening in our lives uh, during that point, Mm. Um, whether it's, uh, you know, finding yourself or uh, something that was happening in your life. Um, how we related to that piece of media—it's—it's um, uh, it's connected almost as strong as uh, you know when you smell something and it triggers a memory. Uh-huh. I think it's—it's—it's it's, it's all about that. It's—it's uh-huh. uh, it's our connection to that—that uh, that toy, that book, that—that that memory. Um, and then as far as collecting, yeah, I mean, you know, I—I uh, I must. I must have every um, version of uh, of the Star Wars original trilogy on every format: VHS, Laserdisc, uh, you know, DVD. Uh, you know, and and you know, for for a time there, I kept buying them. Um, did I need another copy of the original trilogy? Prob- probably not. But you know, if uh, if anybody asks me, hey, do you have the you know the nineteen ninety seven special edition of the Empire Strikes Back? Well, yes, I do. It it's right here. I can show you know I can show it to you. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a cool feeling. It's kind of like comfort food. It's, uh, you know, guilty pleasure sort of thing. But I think, uh, you know, having collectibles, um, it's, it's what we identify with. It brings us happiness. And, uh, and more than that, I think, uh, you know, it brings us memories of, of times, uh, in our lives where we were either content or we're going through something and we overcame something. So I think, you know, collections of any sorts collectibles are, are very important in our lives.
1: I, um, real quick, I I was going through a lot of stuff from my parents house that I got uh two summers ago I emptied out you know my old bedroom and basement and stuff and I found a lot of my old toys and one of them was a little Ewok figure that I got it was the one that was based off the cartoon that 80s cartoon oh, which was yeah. actually my first real introduction to Star Wars was watching that cartoon and it came with a little gold coin and i used to carry that coin around in my pocket because i just thought it was so you know i was i don't know how old i was 4 or 5 or something and i just thought i don't know, it felt like you know like i had this incredible treasure this you know money it must must be worth something it's a giant <laughs> gold coin you know it's got to be valuable yeah. so
0: yeah i remember those coins
1: yeah stuff like that man do you still have that coin yes i found it the uh, last good. summer when i was going through i found the the ewok the coin and his little little spear got the whole got the whole thing
0: that's too funny that's you gotta very, very glad. T- take a picture uh put it online and uh, tag me i love For to share
1: i will that's too funny Okay, my last question is: yeah. uh, This has to do with uh, the future of the Ahsoka franchise. Now, I am a registered Kylo Ren fanboy, but, um, <laughs> but the character of Shin on Ahsoka, I don't know if it's that it's that same kind of flavor as Kylo. I don't know. But I get, like, that same kind of jolt of resonance uh, from that character. So I'm really invested in whatever's going to happen, wherever that character's going to go. So my question is, and it might not be in season two, who knows what's going to happen, but will or should Shin stay sort of this ambiguous... Badish character, grayish Jedi. If that's what they're going for, or will she eventually be a good guy? Because I don't know. Because that's no. what they seem to do with likable characters. Like if they're popular, they
0: the whole redemption thing.
1: They make them good. Yeah, because it's. I mean, she's stuck on that planet. She with all those good guys. Now she did go and uh, recruit those those raiders, right? So mm-hmm. she's she's gonna make a go at villainy of some kind, I think. But uh, I don't I don't know if that's gonna be. I don't know, I don't know. What do you think? You go first.
0: That um, you know, it's funny because I think. Uh, there's still some mystery to that character. Obviously we didn't get, uh, I, I don't feel that we got enough, um, explanation on both of their backstories, her, uh, right. her and Balin. Right. Um, and I, I do think that is a, um, a downfall of the, of the writing in that show. Um, because there are still questions that, that we need answers to, um, especially with, with Shin, Mm. Um, obviously, you know, I don't know what they're going to do with season two of Ahsoka regarding Balin, um, right. actor, you know, unfortunately passed away. Um, but, um, I feel like those two characters were probably my, my favorite for, for those particular, particular reasons. They were mysterious. We still didn't know. Um, but I would have liked to have at least somehow found out a little bit more, uh, about Shin. um. You know why? You know this is. Uh, I'm trying to think timeline wise. How many years is this after?
1: Um, oh, would you like me to pull up my Excel spreadsheet?
0: Exactly, please, please do. <laughs> Let's because see. I'm I'm always curious. Uh, you know, especially with her, like why does she still wear? the uh Padawan braid braid right is you know that that seemed to have been a, a very um you know older you know practice with the Jedi right
1: um
0: why does she still have it and I, I unfortunately have a feeling that is that was done more for the fans to identify her as a Padawan rather than a functional you know story element that right. uh that required a little more thought um unfortunately i think the you know new star wars to me suffers from a lack of of uh detail oriented structure mm. so george lucas was very um you know a, 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 a an expert on it obviously he created the universe and he wanted to kind of pinpoint certain things um so I, you know, I don't know what what does your spreadsheet say as far as timeline.
1: So, for the book of Boba Fett and Ahsoka season one, they're both listed as like around nine Aby, okay. so roughly.
0: Yeah. So why is she wearing this uh, this Padawan brain braid? Mm. Um, it seems out of place, out of time. Um, it's weird.
1: Yeah, because you'd think that would imply that there's a Jedi order somewhere. Right. Whereas the only one that we would have that would, it would just be Luke's fledgling one. So, and she's clearly not from that. Um,
0: and think, her age what? would make it seem like maybe she was uh, recruited by the Jedi, you know, a couple of years before a new hope. Right. Which we, we know that that can't be true either.
1: Right. Um, I know one theory was like that Balin was uh, what, a youngling or something that would have escaped. Uh, and that, that, you know, maybe he was just so far off doing his own thing that he didn't even really know all that had happened. And he found a Force-sensitive person and just thought like, well, this is what I'm supposed to do with them is – train them in this way and braid their hair like this but uh, <laughs> but yeah I think that's probably all we have in that. and obviously he's because his whole thing is seeking power right I mean right. that's the clearest we got as a sense of his motivation is that one line where I think Shin asks him like or someone asks him like what are we looking for and he just says something about like unimaginable power or something like that yeah which is a very dark side uh, thing. thing. Right. So. But, you
0: know, it, it's uh, it'll be interesting, too, because, uh, you know, he also claimed that, uh, you know, he was looking for a way to stop the cycle of darkness, mm. light, light and dark, light and dark. Mm. Um, so that uh, that in itself is kind of a uh, an interesting take on on the motivations of this character. But, um, yeah, I mean, now that I'm thinking about the, uh, the Padawan braid, it, uh, it kind of bothers me because <laughs> does, doesn't seem like it makes sense in this, in this era.
1: Yeah. Cause she's well, and she, right. Yeah. And she's definitely not even trying to be like a good guy. Like she's, she's not trying right. to no, be not at all. of the Jedi ways sure. at all. And I guess even, one of Balin's first lines is the whole we are no Jedi thing. So. Right.
0: Yeah. I feel, unfortunately, I feel like a lot of it was just, um, you know, I, Someone I made a cool
1: concept uh, art and then they, yeah.
0: Or, you know, like this is, this is kind of like pandering fan service that I'm not really a fan of, mm. um, you know, uh, uh, style over substance sort of thing. Mm. Mm. Yeah. But we'll see. Ahsoka, season two. um, I guess we'll continue the discussion. I'll uh, invite you back on and we'll uh, we'll talk about the results. Awesome.
3: This is Sentry Mode.
0: Okay, folks, you heard that jingle. It's time for Sentry Mode here on the Scare Scuttlebutt Podcast. If you're new to the show, Sentry Mode is our little segment where I bring a friend on and I ask them five questions on a certain topic, whether it's all Star Wars or just general nerdery. We've got uh, Nick from Nickflix Podcast here tonight to answer a couple of questions. Nick, how is it going tonight?
2: Good, man. I'm doing good. I'm excited to be on here for these five questions.
0: You sound a little nervous, my friend.
2: (laughs) No, no, no. Recovering from an uh, emergency appendix uh, removal. So uh, (laughs) more like I just don't want to burp or fart while i'm on this uh <laughs> excellent. It's, a a it's a good thing it's sure a good thing it's a lot of gas pain you get but no i'm ready man i'm good i'm curious what these questions are
0: excellent excellent so um i know you're a big movie fan you know i just uh last week we recorded one with sean and uh i i dealt him all the star wars questions uh you uh, i know you're a star wars fan um, but uh I'm gonna kinda mix it up a little bit for you because you are into movies in general. One in particular, I know you're fandom for Jaws, so uh are we ready? Yeah, what's Jaws? I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right, question question let's uh let's start from uh let's start with question number five and work our way to the big one. All right question number five what movie is this line from and who said it here's johnny
2: that is uh jack nicholson from the shining that
0: is correct and uh for for a bonus point do you know who he's referring to who is this johnny guy is that johnny carson right that's who that he's is doing... correct yeah yeah absolutely absolutely johnny carson for you young folks mm-hmm. google him oh. Great, yeah, you really should. It's good stuff. (laughs) Yeah, good stuff. All right, question number four. What was the name of the skyscraper in everyone's favorite Christmas movie, Die Hard?
2: Oh, that's uh, Nakatomi Plaza, right?
0: That is correct. Nakatomi Plaza. (laughs) (laughs) Yippee-ki-yay. Excellent. All right, Uh Uh, let's switch things up here. Question number three on Sentry Mode. The Terminator steals clothes from some punks in the original Terminator movie, one of the punks turns into a big star. Who was that? That is Bill Paxton. Absolutely.
3: Yeah, Bill Paxton.
2: Who, really quick, funny story. He talks about, because he's in Aliens, he's right. got uh, you know one of the most famous lines, Game over, man. Game over. Yes. Uh, he talks about his audition with James Cameron where they gave him big... Tubes to pretend they were guns, and he goes, I just ran around his office pretending to shoot aliens. He goes, that was the audition. He goes, it was so much fun. But, yeah, he is the punk with, I believe he's got spiky hair in the movies, maybe got, like, two lines, but, yeah. Right.
0: He's one of those actors that turns into a James Cameron regular. He's mm-hmm. obviously, you mentioned Alien. Um, he was also in Twister. Um, but, um, yeah, absolutely. J- Bill Paxton. question number two here we go what is the name of the shark in jaws it's bruce off of bruce lawyer (laughs) there you go (laughs) that's too funny (laughs) um yeah i was gonna ask you if you knew the story behind the name because i i I didn't look it up for this uh this part but uh steven spielberg's lawyer huh
2: yeah yeah it was like kind of a joke for them uh but it is funny i heard on a pot, another podcast, someone re- referenced the shark and they go, yeah, Jaws, like saying the shark's <laughs> name is Jaws. And it's like, eh, it's close enough.
0: That's funny. All right. Excellent. Good uh, good little piece of uh, Jaws trivia there. All right. Speaking of Steven Spielberg, so Jaws was one of Steven Spielberg's early films. What was another one of his films where he did uh, sort of a movie stock point trade with his friend George Lucas? That would be Indiana
2: Jones, or Raiders of the Lost Ark. Correct.
0: Mm. Wait a minute. Hold
2: on. A stop. Oh wait, wait, wait. wait. You mean like where they
0: like movie point, like points, like box office Mm. points?
2: Is it okay? Hold on. So when George Lucas
0: was doing Star Wars, okay, Spielberg was doing another film. Uh, uh,
2: Ah, Close Encounters.
1: There you go. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I
2: thought it was one they worked on uh, together. But yeah, you're right. You're right. That would make sense because Close Encounters was 78. I believe in Mm -hmm. star Wars 77. So,
0: so yeah, they were, uh, you know, the, obviously the good close friends, they were trading, you know, movie box office points. And, uh, uh, Steven Spielberg said that, uh, you know, he definitely got the better end of the bargain there.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, when star Wars became a hit, that's when Spielberg and Lucas decided to do Raiders and like had a handshake agreement that, Hey, if you're going to do this, got to do three. And, uh, on to do four, but like it's it's funny how the 70s really shaped movies for a lot, for till now really it's it was yeah. i think the most important decade for movies
0: Absolutely i think uh that's actually a good topic maybe uh maybe we can put some together uh mm-hmm. shaping the movies of the future I think yeah, that's I, uh, that's good yeah
2: Cuz i mean what hasn't pulled from countless movies of the 70s like think about how many Sequels and tri- and series have come from movies that started in the '70s, from every genre: Alien, Halloween, Star Wars. I guess technically yeah. The Godfather, because the third one was sure. 1990. But
0: yeah, I mean it's and, it's it's, cr- it's crazy to think. And another little George Lucas George Lucas connection there with The Godfather. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola, mm-hmm. obviously, they were uh, teamed up together when they were uh, when they formed uh, Zotrop uh, Studios and. They were kind of in trouble, and George said, uh, "You know, you gotta, you gotta do this uh, this movie here. Check out this book by Mario Puzo." And uh, I guess um, Francis Ford Coppola didn't want to do a mob mobster movie, but uh, George said, "Hey, we need to pay the bills." Yeah,
2: and also that's how George got um, uh, American Graffiti was because Francis Ford Coppola was like, "Hey, I want you to direct this movie for me," and. It, it went on to be, like, the fourth highest grossing movie that year, which is pretty crazy because it's was a movie that they made on, like, no budget. And, sure. And uh, is what started Harrison Ford working with George Lucas.
0: Yeah. Excellent. So. Oh, yeah, we're, but, full uh, here, we're full of knowledge here. We're full of knowledge, useless movie knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's uh, that's why you come to us, and that's mm-hmm. why uh, you should listen to Nick on Nick Nickflix podcast. Uh, why don't you tell the folks before we wrap up? Uh, why don't you tell the folks where to find you to say hello there? Yeah.
2: So if you want, uh, uh, I am at Nickflix Pod on Twitter and Instagram. But yeah, if you want to follow and and uh we could talk about movies i'm always looking for new guests to enjoy talking about any types of movies um i kind of let the guests pick the topic and then we just kind of go for i mean we we have an idea of what we're talking about but it's pretty loose and uh yeah so if you want to come follow me it's at nickflix podcast um on twitter and instagram
0: Excellent. Always good stuff. Always a great conversation with you and uh, whatever guest you have. It's uh, I always learn something, and uh, I think you should give them a follow and check them out. Excellent. Nick, thank you very much for joining me on this uh, segment of Sentry Mode. Um, Those were great questions, and you had some perfect answers. So give yourself a pat on the back, and if you answered any of those questions correctly, give yourself a pat on the back, and look for more Sentry Mode segments here on the Scare Scuttlebutt podcast. Let's get back to the conversation on the main show. Until next time, that's the Scuttlebutt. All right, so my last question probably should have been my first question because I have a feeling that uh, we can probably talk another hour uh, oh, no. on this one.
3: <laughs> okay.
2: And away we go.
0: This one again is from uh, one of my followers, Star Wars, Cozy Coffee, oh. and uh, he asks should the jedi order have chosen to stay out of the clone wars what do you think
1: okay so what would that look like then the idea is that um see now i need to rewind my entire (laughs) uh prequel trilogy knowledge um because the idea then is like that it wouldn't have led to Darth Vader. Is that what they're getting at? Because the yes, involvement, or, right? Is what led him to? It,
0: yeah, it clouded. You know, it clouded the the foresight of the Jedi.
1: It gives Palpatine the opportunity to blame right. the council for all the bad stuff, and mm-hmm. um, and obviously they didn't win. Per se, in their efforts. Uh, did you know there was a movie that talked about the Jedi's legacy being that of failure? I don't know if you <laughs> caught that movie. Um, so I guess, uh, yeah, I mean, there's all the. I think that it's kind of like, um, well, if that had happened, we wouldn't have more movies, but uh, yeah, as far as whether well, they should or not. I think I'm going to say one of the responsibilities of, of of a Jedi, if I'm understanding the philosophy, is that they have to get involved. That sticking their nose in, whether right or wrong, helpful or not, is kind of part of the part of the deal. So I'm going to say they should have, no matter what.
0: Yeah, I would have to agree with you. And, um, you know, even uh, in the Kenobi series, you have uh, the character of uh, Reva, the Inquisitor, that said, uh, you know, how you hunt a Jedi out. You wait for them because they always have to be involved. They always have to, you know, try to do the right thing. So I think um, I think, yes, um, they should have stayed in, but uh, maybe be a little bit more focused. Um, I think, uh, you know we uh you know you talk about the the fog of war and uh that is true i guess in 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 real life as it is in in fictional wars mm-hmm. um and i think they did a good job in um kind of uh showing uh the um I guess, the, you know, the downfall of uh, of two sides, uh, you know, going to war. Um, obviously, there was a, uh, you know, Palpatine, like you said, uh, you know, it gave him the opportunity to rise. And, uh, you know, during the distractions of uh, of the the actions of this clone war that, mm-hmm. uh, that ensued, that it gave him the opportunity and the means to position himself, uh, with more power. And he wanted to continue until he became the emperor. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's a great question. Um, you know, a lot of people have different answers, uh, obviously, but, um, I think, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, uh, like you said, I think the Jedi Order um, should have become involved uh, in, in some way. Um, I don't know if that way, uh, you know, should have been actually, you know, become, becoming generals in the actual fight. Mm. Um, but um, they certainly should have been, uh, you know, cognizant of the fact that, uh, you know, we're going to get involved, but uh, we got to watch each other's back. And uh, maybe be a little bit more focused on um, what, uh, you know, what the background politics were going to be and maybe, you know, open themselves up more to to what was going on behind the scenes, uh, especially because of uh, Palpatine's uh, maneuvering, political maneuvering. I think uh, Palpatine to me is uh, one of the most powerful characters in the Star Wars uh, galaxy mm. uh For those reasons, I I feel that, uh, you know, it's not easy, uh, you know, to uh, to win against anyone that's playing chess the way Palpatine did. When all you have is, uh, you know, uh, a a couple of pieces of of checkers um, playing pieces when your opponent is is a master, you know, chess player.
1: Well, that was one of the things that I think worked so well, actually, in the story of the prequels was the fact that the Jedi Council is second guessing themselves and unsure about things and ultimately making a few mistakes because, I mean, first of all, you know, you have to get to the state of the universe at the start of episode four. So obviously they're not going to win per se, you know, they're not going to succeed something has to lead to failure but then you know i liked the fact that the jedi were not you know perfect and able to see the future and you know because then it's more like a superhero kind of story you know and i like that star wars to me at least is usually a little bit more attempting to make these people like real real humans that you know Don't have all the answers and sometimes make mistakes and things. So, um, yeah, I I think that makes that whole era more interesting. The fact that it was, you know, Palpatine sort of pulling all these strings and then the Jedi trying to keep up, but ultimately being a step behind usually.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned, uh, you know, some movie that uh, claimed that uh, the legacy of the Jedi were failures. But, uh, you know, the Jedi existed for centuries before before that. Uh, you know, it was only the last, what, 20 or 30 years where it all <laughs> fell apart. So legacy of failure? I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> That's too funny. Well, Joe, this has been a wonderful five questions. I love these, uh, these, uh, additions, uh, these shows, uh, it gives us a, a, a nice, uh, you know, way to, uh, to talk and, and, and discuss back and forth, some really great topics and some really great, great questions. Um, I hope you had fun.
1: I had a great time. Thank you so much for having me do this. Loved it. This
0: has this has definitely been a blast. Uh, why don't you tell folks where people can uh, find you and say hello there?
1: Yes. So on the Twitter or the X or the Twix or whatever you want to call it, at uh, Nin Temple N I N Temple. I'll see you there.
0: Excellent. We'll see you there and we'll see you on the Twits, the Twix, uh, whatever you want to call it. Uh but uh, yeah, if uh if you guys are listening and you uh have your own answers to some of these questions, why don't you give us a uh, call over on the Scare Scuttlebutt hotline? That is 773-234-8659. Operators are standing by. Call today. Uh, leave a voicemail and we'll play it on a future episode of the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Until next time, this is Ro. That is Joe. Hey, that rhymes. And that's the Scuttlebutt.